You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. Welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. I am your host, Luke Poulos, and today I had the privilege of talking to the head strength and conditioning coach at Hobart and William Smith Colleges, Chris Gray. For anyone unfamiliar with the combination of those two schools, they are indeed two institutions, but operating together. Coach Gray will explain that dynamic in the first couple minutes of the conversation, so no need to go rush to Wikipedia to look it up yourself. Coach Gray was great to talk to. A strength coach has such a unique perspective on athletics as Chris works with over 580 athletes across 23 programs and handling 23 head coaches, balancing all of that to have a cohesive program himself. He explains how his staff has simplified things as much as possible and how they focus on coaching and caring for the individual first, something he pulls from President Roosevelt one of his favorite leaders in history. A theme throughout the conversation is self-awareness, and he does something pretty awesome with his team and a few of the teams he works with to help them see where they are actually at in terms of the little things and daily and weekly activities that they can control themselves. It was a great conversation all around and great to hear a strength coach who is so passionate about developing leadership and all-around character in athletes that are not, first and foremost, his athletes. So please enjoy the conversation with Chris Gray on another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. All right, so I'm recording now. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on the podcast tonight and giving us uh, a little bit of your time and, and perspective. Absolutely, man. I, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, of course. And, and, you know, one of the first things I saw when you replied to our admin assistant was the head strength and conditioning coach. And one, that's a very unique perspective in and of itself. I think we've had one or two on the show before, just the quantity of athletes you get to work with and the number of coaches and just teams you see from a different level just gives you a really unique perspective on athletics in general. But specifically, you know, we were talking before, you really see what certain teams do well and what athletes across different sports do well. And then as I learned uh, before we started, uh, that you're at Hobart and William Smith, and it's right. two separate colleges, yet the same in a way. So I think if, uh, the best way to kick this off is just yeah. if you could talk about some of the lay the groundwork of what that's all about at, at HWS and some of the fundamentals that you guys preach as a athletics department and what you specifically as a strength and conditioning program preach in terms of leadership development or anything along those lines sure no uh, that's thank you for that intro I, I think the big thing is just kind of providing some background and, and an overview to who we are and who I am and so you, you said it we're Hobart William Smith colleges it's they're two separate entities but one and the same really so um, as I, I mentioned to you before Hobart is an all-male college um, 
and William Smith is the the female, all female counterpart to it. Uh, and and it was the way they were both founded, and they just kind of come up and and through collaboration and and coordinate staff have have slowly and become jointly one. Um, but they still keep the integrity of of their historic findings and, and and where they've come from moving forward. So without diving into too much of that, uh, the historic background between the two, uh, myself and my full-time staff member, we are coordinate staff between the two colleges. So we get to work with 580 athletes um, in 23 different programs uh, with 23 different head coaches, both male and female uh, across both colleges. So, I think the, from an overview standpoint, that's who we are and, and what we work with. We're based out of Geneva, New York, so upstate Finger Lakes area. Um, and I, between Syracuse and Rochester would be the best people for, uh, to put it on a map. Um, and I think the big thing, you talked about fundamental values and principles, and I'm very big on, on four individuals in history. And I think four that were just up against very challenging points, both in their life and societal or in society at the time. And, and so those four are Lincoln, Roosevelt, uh, Martin Luther King, and Winston Churchill. And I think what I'll tell you about the values and principles part is Roosevelt is the, the I guess, the basis behind, and, and I say it a lot, is people don't know how much you know or don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think the the fundamental principle of what our staff goes about and how we treat people is that we must care first and foremost for who they are as a person, as a human being, before anything else. And I think that everything else will stem from that. But if I'm if we're kicking this thing off, it is the how do you treat people? And they need to know that you genuinely and truly care about them through and through before you even take another step. Yeah. And that, and that's just been a constant theme throughout these, these conversations I've been having on the show is the great leaders and the great programs really instill that above all else. And the leaders that people bring up, you know, the greatest captains they've, they've ever experienced. It, it is a, one of the top things people say is, you know, this captain really, really cared about me as a person, you know, this coach that I had that was so great that I really loved about my coach when I was a captain or when I was just a regular player was you could tell they cared about us away from the playing field, away from the locker room, away from sports. You know, there was obviously the athletic development, but there's also the personal development, the character development, the leadership development, because, you know, we all know leadership's a pretty transferable skill across the spectrum, sports, life, military, business, anything you're doing, leadership's going to be a part of it. You're going to be a leader at some point. And I think because that transfers, you also have to develop the rest of the person and care about the rest of the person as well. So I think it's a great place to start for any program. And I think for us, just as a strength coach, and I know that, and you said it, you can start any program based off of it. Um, even when kids come in from a recruiting standpoint, one of the biggest pieces that, that I will leave them with is that we will trade your hard work for our love, care, and respect. So if you come in and work your, your ass off for us, we will, we will treat you as an awesome human being. 
If not, we're going to coach up the, the behavior, right? So it's, it's more about who you are and hopefully about less about what you're doing or not. Yeah, for sure. And that, and that's a big piece, you know, and that's really laying out those expectations and from uh, a strength team perspective, a strength and conditioning team, really laying it out for a team that, you know, they, depending on some schools, you know, we had a really good relationship with our, with our strength and conditioning coaches and some of the athletes at the school actually were a part of the strength and conditioning team. I don't know if it's like they're like that with, with you guys, but we had a good relationship with them as we saw them as a part of the lacrosse program. You know, they were an integral part. And I think they understood kind of the same thing. And us as athletes, we understood too, you know, if we go in at the end of the day after practice, and we're giving it 100%, you know, we're going to feel that that energy back from them. But if we're in there, you know, half dog and things, we're, we're going to feel the wrath. And, we, you know, our, our, our uh, head strength and conditioning coach, you know, it's Coach Swanson, but he's had a nickname for probably about going on a decade, decade and a half now. We call him Satan. Um, <laughs> he's also a monstrous human being with a voice about 10 octaves below mine. So, there's a little bit of that to it, but for sure, you know, we really felt that and it, it wasn't a mean sure. thing. It's just, you know, that kind of give and take. Right. No. And, and even so, like, I think even as an individual sport coach or everything else that we're teaching them right now, I I'll fight tooth and nail to tell everybody that what we're doing is it stems beyond just the development from a, a physical strength condition, bigger, faster, stronger standpoint. I think you have to have some just cognition that we are teaching a skill set and confidence to maintain a healthy lifestyle forever, right? So, like, supersede the, all those other things that are awesome that every coach wants. We want to be bigger. We want to be faster. We want to win all these games, and this is how we're going to do it. At the end of the day, we're leaving and we're giving these – student athletes whomever we get a chance to work with a skill set both physically and mentally that I believe that they'll be able to transfer into the next 80 years of their life they may not be able to take the lacrosse with them or be able to wrestle into their 50s but you'll be able to take care of yourself to a certain extent and I think when you start off the the care about the like the care piece when it comes down to the human being element and that's the, the piece that permeates through everything that you're talking about, I think there's a lot of other things, at least in the strength and conditioning realm that will, will fall into place behind it. Yeah, exactly. And, and like you said, for 90%, probably more 95, 99%, whatever the percentage is, college athletics is, is the end of your competitive athletic career outside of, you know, competitive adult leagues here and there, but I know it was for me. And once that's over, all you're left with is the lessons that you learn from that sport, from your time playing college athletics. So I think one, definitely the physicality, the physical fitness, the skills you learn, that's what you take away from the sport in a a physical way. And then, like you said, the mental skills that you take away and and leadership is obviously one of those. I know you mentioned, uh, along with Roosevelt, Lincoln, MLK, and Churchill, was there, are there any other, you know, values and principles that you, you pull for them? I know you mentioned Roosevelt specifically for that, you know, starting with the person, caring about the person. Well, 
partners? Do those all kind of just come together or is there specific things for all of them? So, so they each have their own individual and again, without getting into a crazy history lesson with you, right. um, they were all put up against what seemed to be at the time uh, an insurmountable opponent, if you will. And I think, or at least during pieces of their life. And I think what I find really, really interesting is their mindset, how each one of them handled those, the opposition, right? So uh, in going into what we're talking about from a leadership standpoint, Lincoln, and even before from a biblical time, it was the house divided cannot stand, right? When he was making the, the speech in what was it, 58 to, I think it was Congress or at least, oh, the Senate in Illinois, as he made a ploy for um, the presidency, it was, we got to get this thing together. Right. We've got to be all on the same page. And that's going to come through with any team, with any organization, that if you're going to go far, you got to do this thing together. And so I think as you go, each one has their own piece and their own makeup that I think can, can tie into a team. But if you, if you want to kick this thing off, I think that was a piece from – from Lincoln where he was ahead of his time and well-read. And again, it comes up in the Bible twice. Um, but you've got to do this thing together. We are all in this thing together. So let's make this the best for everybody. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Lincoln's obviously one of the greatest leaders. He's one of my favorite presidents as well. And, and what he was able to do before the war, during the war with all of his staff is phenomenal. If anybody out there hasn't read a biography on him or, or at least a piece that highlights him during the Civil War, go out and get yourself a copy of something. Because um, he really, like you said, was ahead of his time. And, and the House Divided, it, it's a great piece to understand. And like you said, it's, it's a part of any organization that is heading towards any sort of goal or, or trying to reach a success. And the leader's job is to bring everyone together, keep them focused on one goal and influence yeah. them toward that. You know, the first we have six tenets of leadership at the captain's coach that we preach. And the, and the first one is everything rises and falls with leadership. So if the leadership's not there to kind of keep that house from dividing, to keep it from falling apart, there's nothing to let, or there's nothing to stop that team from, from moving forward towards its goal. So I think to, to right off the bat uh, in terms of the, the fundamental principles and, and kind of the values that you all are preaching and starting from, I don't think you could have picked, two better ones right off the bat from there. Um, go ahead. No, so, so and, and I appreciate that, but I think, so how we use that here, I think is, is an important piece to get out. And we have, at least our staff in the weight room, have they come up with this one team or hashtag one team approach. So I mentioned before, we've got 580 athletes. 23 different head coaches that want they all want to be successful but they want 23 different cultural pieces in their own individual right, right. way and i found it really really challenging when i first got here to find a way to give our lacrosse team this our basketball teams that our swim and dive girls this our field hockey that but what I kept coming back to when I, come home, when I came home was how do we get this holistic house together? How do we set a standard and accountability piece in the weight room 
that will permeate to all that will be all what they want but it will be it won't be oh they're doing something that football is doing or basketball is doing but it'll be a unification under the umbrella of strength and conditioning and we came up with this idea of and we've taken it from other people and places but of one team that we're all going to have a universal language in the weight room so regardless of whether it's myself the assistant the intern a work study when we say we're going to do a barbell back squat this is what it looks like when we say we're going to do this this is what it looks like there's no confusion in dialogue and language every team has a universal warm-up so if there are five football players that come in at nine o'clock and four field hockey and three soccer and then 15 swim and dives, everybody's warm-up is universal. It's the same exact thing, the standard, the accountability of when they count, the cadence, it's all the same. They can do it as an entire team or they can do it mixed between five, but having the, you know, go back to those buzzwords of standard and accountability, having that universal piece of this is who we are going to be every team wants the element of discipline detail effort intensity toughness and we've developed a way to give them that within the confines of the weight room without taking away each team's identity of who they want to be and what sport they play and male female their backgrounds of who they are and where they come from yeah, and that's a that's a tough that's a tough thing to balance. I completely get that. You know, any organization, you want to have the same lexicon. You want to be able to you know say the same thing at three o'clock that you're saying at six o'clock with two different teams, and not have to remember. Oh, I'm working with the swim team. Uh, what do we call that with them? You know, I can completely understand that. And that's and that's something that every organization has to work out. Their standardization uh, across the board, the uniformity. And I love the way you approach that. You know. It, you know, we talked before about simplifying, you know, bringing it back down, making it as simple as possible, but then balancing that with, Hey, we're not, we're not saying the football team is doing the same stuff in the weight room as the the field hockey team. We're not saying the lacrosse team is doing the same thing as gymnastics. You know, everything still is their own identity, but when you're talking strength and conditioning, everything is uniform and everyone can be on the same page. I'm interested to, did that, Were there challenges, any pushback from coaches? Did you go through team captains? How did you approach that, you know, when you first doing that? Obviously, year after year, it kind of just is ingrained in your culture at some point. Sure. Uh, That's a really – When you guys started doing that kind of thing. It's a really good question. And it's – there were challenges of when we're going to count our jumping jacks out, there are challenges because there are some teams that aren't big counters and aren't vocally. Right. That's not who they are. And then there are some teams that this movement may not be overly applicable to their sport per se, but it's applicable to the, the human body and the movement of that said human body. So I think it's, it was challenging to overcome, not just the universal language made a lot of sense. And I think the coaches were, were aligned with the ideas behind it. I think it, it was the actual execution of getting it to fruition um, that was really, really challenging. And it, I think the best thing we did with it was just continue every day to hammer home the point of this is, this is our core values that we're going to treat everybody as 
the human being and go back to that care piece. And this is what the standard and the expectation is. And if it's not there, we're going to coach up the behavior. We're not going to coach you as a human being. We're going to coach up the behavior and make the behavior better. Um, because we're not going to back down from this. And again, we've had our fair share of challenges with that. But over time, and I think we've done some things here, social media-wise, to give back. And I think we've really tried hard to make strength and conditioning not only about care, but make it really cool. So yeah. Everybody wants to be there. They want to be involved. They want to be – it's cooler to be in the club than it is to be out. And that's the simplest way I could tell you. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And to go back to what you're saying about – everything's tying back into those, those fundamental core values. And another theme we've had in these conversations is authenticity. And when you have a program or organization and you set out your fundamental core values, what you stand for, what your ultimate end goal is, and then what you're doing on a daily basis, individual tasks, when those line up and you can say, Hey, maybe you don't understand this individual task but can you see how this lines up with what we've been saying we're about from day one? And I think more times than not, even if people may have pushback on that one thing, like you're saying, Hey, you know, what does this have to do with my sport? Why am I moving this way? But if you can explain it to them and they understand, Hey, not everything we do is just about your sport. It all ties back into it, but not necessarily every single thing ties back to your sport. It does tie back to those core values that we've said, this is what we're about. And if they can understand that, I, I, you're not going to get as much pushback because people can say, okay, one plus one equals two. I got it. I got it. I'm not like that math equation, but I can see where you're connecting the dots and it makes sense to me. I think it also helps a staff standpoint too, is we just, we've clearly defined who we're going to be and we don't have to code switch per se based on the individual or the team that comes in. So, well, we're going to treat everybody fairly, but not completely as like equally, just because each team has their own goal, their own cultural subsets that we're trying to follow and abide by. We don't have to completely code switch from, okay, this is going to be a football only warm up workout, this, 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 this. And when field hockey gets there, we have to change the way we're coaching, the way we're talking, the way we're teaching, the way we're everything. As a staff, I think we've clearly defined who we're going to be and how we're going to get there. And I think that giving us direction has helped easily teach and given our kids direction as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Making, making everything the same across the board, not having to guess which mode you're supposed to be at any time. Um, you know, seeing a lot of athletes, seeing different sets of, of captains and, and different mm -hmm. sets of team leadership. Do you do anything specifically with programs, captains, whether it be, you know, preseason meetings with them, you know, before each workout, hey, get the team doing this. Hey, this is what we're doing today. Is there anything you do specifically with the, the leaders of each program or is it more of something you handle with the coaches? So and I think that's a combination and that's a little bit where to where we get into a gray area, so to speak. But we do a really good job on our staff of, of empowering the leaders that have been empowered by the team. And we've are done our best to, I'll tell you, complete the circle. We'll, we'll have dialogue with them about if there's an issue going on, 
we let both the coach and the captain know or the group leader or a leader on the team. And based on the, the severity of the issue, the dialogue, wherever it's going, we kind of that trifecta of the three of us, the strength coach, the head coach, and that captain or leader will decide who de delegates and gets to sign that situation. Right. So if we've got a team that's showing up, or a few kids that are showing up right at the start of a lift, a minute before, a minute after, is it the end of the world for that program? Yes or no? And we go to the head coach, go to the captain individually and say, is this something that you can handle? Is this something that I need to handle? Or is this something that I need to bring to our head coach and say, here's what's going on? And what usually ends up happening is that relationship between myself, our staff, and that leader or that captain improves tenfold. You've empowered now to give them that opportunity to go execute. It also improves the relationship with that head coach. They know what's going on in their program. They're aware of it. And you've given them direction as far as, okay, here's the situation. I've empowered this individual. You still need to know about this. And if you want to go do something in addition to this, this is the situation. Yeah, I think. And I think. Oh, sorry. That's worked out. No, and that and that's worked out really, really well for a majority of our teams. I think there are some that aren't there yet with their leaders, whether it be young or youth or um, inexperience. But I, I think that's a, a primary one that we kind of track towards. No, and that's. I think that's a great way of doing it. You know, not not taking the the feet out from any leaders on the team, not taking away their opportunity at some sort of growth. Because, like you said, every time you have one of those situations, it, it's a it's an opportunity for the leaders on the team to grow in some way if if they're prepared for it. Even if they're not prepared for it, it's still, you know, you give them that opportunity, and then you know if they don't rise to that occasion, you always go back. You can always go back to the head coach because they should be. Right. You know, they're getting paid to do that. They should be there. Um, and the leadership on the team, it's putting them in another environment. You know, it's, it's not on the field anymore. It's not even in the locker room. It's in, it's in the weight room. And one question I, I definitely have for you is, do you see, because obviously you become familiar with these teams and you know who the captains are, do you see other people stepping up in the weight room as leaders that aren't necessarily captains on the team and that you may not necessarily know if they're leaders out on the field or in the locker room otherwise. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, this is a, this is a rabbit hole question, but yes, because there are always going to be some that regardless of where you are, there are some that just, they shine in the locker room. There's some that shine on the field. There's some that shine in the, on, in the weight room and man, there are always a good deal of kids that love the weight room. There's some that just, no matter how many times you beat your head against the wall, they just don't love it as much as you do. And you know what, at this point in my career, that that's okay. I, I don't need you to. I think the challenging part with that sometimes is that while they might be really, really good in the weight room, some kids in that take a leadership role, a leadership voice, exhibit characteristics of an alpha or to show off or whatever it might be do they embody the core values of who we are in the weight room and who that team and that culture wants to be because i think that 
is a fine line balancing act where somebody might be really, really strong, a great lifter that, man, they are out every Saturday night. They don't really care about the team. They really, but man, when they get in that environment, you've, if you let the leash get too far and they don't have the same core values that you do as a strength coach as they do as a culture, you are almost doing more harm than good. Right. So I think it's, in the simple term is where on the continuum is that individual with the core values of the weight room, the strength staff and the hierarchy of now the, the head coach and that, that sports team, the closer they are to the higher, or your, your core values, the more leash we give them. If they are not, that's where we really have to get creative with how do you still empower this athlete? Because there are some positive pieces that that athlete is bringing without overshadowing the, the leaders that are already there. And I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer to that. that, that that's the, that, the, the honestly, great question. Yeah, no, honestly, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that you answered it kind of exactly the way I wanted it to be answered because my point that I was going to make, and you, you kind of made it for me, was yes, there are obviously some people when they get in the weight room, you know, they're super comfortable. Maybe they had an awesome strength program in high school. Maybe they don't get much playing time, and this is their their time to shine, show off their athletic prowess. And there's some good and some bad to that, like you said. And what it comes down to is for anybody out there trying to be a leader or developing their leadership skills if the weight room is somewhere that you are comfortable with giving people pointers, stepping up, helping out younger guys, helping out guys that are, are not as gifted in the weight room or don't have the experience, that's great. That is a great opportunity for you to use experience and train yourself as a leader. However, like you said, you need to stay in that continuum of the core values. Being a leader is about being consistent in how you behave all the time. Yep. So like you said, it's great if you're in the weight room and you're helping people out. But if you get too carried away, and like you said, you're the guy who goes out every Saturday night, or you're the guy who's disrespectful for the coaches because you think you know what you're doing in the weight room, you may or may not. <clears throat> but if you're not acting like a leader away from that or in your other interactions with people outside of just the weight room, you're not being a leader. You're just being the guy who knows how to lift. And, there, and it, there's a difference, and there is a difference. And people can sniff it out. And another thing is just the authenticity pieces. It keeps coming back around and people can figure out when you're being phony. People can figure out, Hey, are you being a leader or are you just trying to be the guy who knows what they're doing? Cause there's a big difference and there's all types of leaders. Some are the rah, rah, some are the quiet, some are kind of the, the lead by example, quiet professional type. Mm -hmm. And I think understanding that yes, the weight room is another opportunity to exhibit leadership and practice leadership. Cause it's something you're always, trying to develop and hone in it's not something that should be abused just because you feel comfortable in that situation don't don't manipulate your abilities to kind of gain an upper hand on other people or or take control of the team in a different way and, and i think that you're you're dead on and, and the words that i wrote down right here was self-awareness yeah what yeah. happens and this is just from a dialogue standpoint what happens when that individual doesn't know or doesn't have the self-awareness to know what they're doing and to the degree that what they're doing it at and i think that is 
really the uh, an astronomical challenge because sometimes you're going to have kids that just do it to do it and they know what they're doing but we even implemented a system last year with with a few of our teams in terms of helping our athletes become more self-aware and giving them a snapshot into what the staff sees what their peers see and what they see anonymously but we took a very duckworth grit score esque but took pockets of a different lens and basically came up with a grading scale on a week to week of how we handled our accountability our standards our execution and and provided some people that may or may not know and and you're right like the authenticity will always win but what happens when somebody thinks they're being authentic and they're not providing them that outside feedback in a a non-demeaning i want to say overly positive but in a way that says hey this is what we see this is what they see this is what you see and here's where the discrepancy lies i think that dialogue may allow you to potentially find a new leader or give legs to somebody that wants to be, that just doesn't know how to be. And that's something that we've seen be really, really successful with a few of our programs here, just is giving them a little bit more self-awareness into who do you want to be? Who do you see yourself as? And how do you get to that place? Yeah. And that, and that's awesome to hear you guys are doing something like that. You know, you, you hear sometimes, teams the last couple guests I had do exit interviews at the end of the season or at the beginning of the season and they poll hey who are some teammates that exhibit x y and z or hey who what do you think about this person in terms of their x y and z characteristics and that's how they either gauge leadership or maybe that's how the coaches kind of figure out who are going to be the captains without actually taking a direct vote and it's awesome you're doing that on on a on a school wide, a program athletic department wide basis, even if it's with select teams. But that self awareness is so so important. That's such a great word to to pick out. Another tenet of leadership we have at campus coaches: leadership is self expression, and part of self expression is understanding yourself, how you perceive yourself, and how others perceive you. Because if you don't understand how others perceive you you may not be expressing the same person that you think you are. Mm. And if there's a mismatch there, you're going to have a lot of problems when it comes to your communication, when it comes to you trying to influence people, when it comes to your goals and how you are received and how you receive others. So I think that that's a, that's a great little tidbit for any coaches and programs and captains out there. If you, even if you don't think you have that problem on your team, go ahead and do a little exercise like that. Make it anonymous, make it not anonymous. doesn't really matter. It depends on uh, what kind of culture you have on your team. But do that, you know, give five guys on the team. Everybody gets five people on the team that rates them, and they rate five other people on the team. And at the end of the day, you'll have a pretty decent picture of, of what the team thinks of you. And like you said, you, 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 you kind of shape it and set the left and right limits, right? So no one's going, going too deep right. into somebody. Because if there is somebody like that that needs that, hopefully – as a leader, you're already stepping up and taking care of that, that, that personality issue or that, you know, communication issue from the start. But I think that, right. that's, a, that's a great exercise you guys are doing down there. So we even, 
take it a step further and I'll, for anybody that cares, we will, we will score our own team based on how well we do that week with the accountability, the trust, the, the effort, the energy, when we rate them as an individual, they rate themselves, the staff rates them, their peers or a small group of peers rate them. We'll take all those into account. And based on the composite score of each, whether we're overly, we think we did more than we deserve, so to speak. So we think we had a great week, but we wore the wrong socks on Monday. We showed up a minute late on Thursday. We'll take that into account and we'll award points to our Hobart team or William Smith team or to the opponent. So at the end of the week, we will say, okay, it was Hobart 26, the opponent 14, we won but here's why it was closer than it needed to be. Or, hey, guys, we had a really poor week. We had da, 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 da. It was 20 to 7 opponent over William Smith. And here's why. But it allows you to, to continue to drive home your pieces of accountability and the details that you want. I think, again, provide that self-awareness piece to some of these kids as far as, I say kids, as these, these student athletes, these individuals, as who you are and where are we going as a group? Yeah, that's awesome. And that little scoring system is awesome. And it, it kind of triggers in my mind. Coaches out there, you can do that. You know, our coach used to say little things like that. There was nothing formal that we kind of kept track of. But there was little stuff like that that we always, you know, policed each other up on. Mm -hmm. But those are the kind of things, if you're a coach, if you are afraid to empower your captains or your leaders on the team to do things, big things, make big decisions or, or, you know, give them some kind of power, at least give them the power to do something like that. You know, give them a list of things. Hey, this is stuff I'm keeping track of as a coach this week. You guys are in charge. I'm giving you guys these responsibilities. If nothing else, make sure we're policing up these little things because these are the little wins really do add up. And, and it's, it's cool to see you've really illustrated that and manifested in a scoring system that you can lay out at the end of the week, end of the month, end of the day and say, Hey, you know, this is where we sat as good as we think we did. You know, we missed out on all these little things. And during the game, those are the little things that just add up and add up and add up. And what do we all want to do? We all want to win. Right. And things are a lot different when I get you in practice versus when I get you in the game, things are a lot different when I get it during a working set versus a warm up set. We all want to be able to execute and succeed and win. I mean, simplify it, win. And we all want to be cared for. How do we do those two things on a daily basis to reinforce the, the details, the things that we really want out of this? And how do we reinforce the fact that we care about you? I think that's, that's been a big way for us. But if you're looking at the two big things, we want to win and we want to care for you. How do we go about doing that now as the, everything behind closed doors, so to speak. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's awesome. And you guys are doing a lot of really unique things from a strength and conditioning staff point of view. Pretty incredible just to hear about some of those things that you've illustrated so far. Are there any coaches or, or programs at your schools that, that do something really cool or unique with their captains or, or teams that you just see year after year after year have tremendous leadership or utilize their leadership in certain ways? And are there, are there things that you see that coaches do with their captains that, that produce successful leadership? You know, I think the, 
the, the most successful teams I've been around the last two years um, are, soccer, are women's soccer team here. As our head coaches won over 600 games, they've been won three national championships. Um, we were in the Elite Eight last year and had set captains. And all summer was we were part of this collective group as coaches trying to develop who, who are going to be the captains this year. We, we, we've got to have captains. You've got to have captains. you got to have captains. We came down to the to conclusion we've got a lot of players that are really good, or a lot of athletes that are really good at certain areas, on the field, off the field, managing, uh, that they went away from captains for a leadership group. And th this has been a – I think there's a fluid – transition between year to year in this program as far as what you anoint or elect one do you do three is it a group is it a team and a collaborative issue and I think just trying to take a step back and analyze what makes them so successful is that they find a way to empower those who have leadership traits but still permeate the core values of the program and the in the team. Yeah, that's and, cool. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I think that's, to me, is, is really interesting, is that it changes year to year for that program. And last year, they're Elite Eight. This year, they're in the National Championship. So it, do you sit there and now say as a coach, oh, we have to have a leadership group every year? And I think the answer to that question is going to be absolutely not, because when they won it in 2013, they had a singular captain. So really having a good pulse for what your team and who your team is as individuals. Um, and, and there have been other teams that have used that, that leadership group approach, which I think is great. And there are other teams that have your, your traditional one or two that you feel just can, they have your core values at heart day in and day out. And they're probably one of your most talented players. And they just, that puts them right in that middle piece of being one of the most, the best or the, the universal driver behind this program. Yeah. When you don't have those. I think that's where you try to get more people that are right. spread out around that circle. Right. 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 And, and that's, that's awesome to hear that coaches at your schools are, are, are doing that sort of thing. Cause a lot of coaches I've had on recently kind of have all pointed to the same thing, you know, is the answer one, is it two, is it three, you know, it, it, it changes every year. It's, you have, it's literally a different team every year. You have a new group of people, especially, you know, college, if nothing else, even in the pros, you have different teams, but in college, a quarter of your team is gone every year and you have a new set of individuals, you have a new set of leaders, you have, a new set of problems, a new set of strengths, a new set of weaknesses. And being able to understand that uh, another tenet of leadership we have is, is leadership is, is an art. You know, there's not an exact science. It's, it's understanding the balance, right? And like you said, picking those individuals based on certain things, based on certain years. You know, if you put one individual on a team five years ago, they, they would have been a captain. You put them on the team today, maybe they're not. Maybe they're not in that point. Um, it really depends. And it doesn't say anything about that person as an individual. They might have the same traits, but maybe that's not what the team needs that given year. So I think understand that as a coach 
it's not an exact science. The same thing's not going to work year after year. It's just like anything else, right? As a coach, you know, the same offense isn't going to work every year because you have, you know, one year you got shooters, one year you don't. One year you got great athletes and one year you got some physical brutes. And so, so I think as a coach, you're looking for, you have your mind of like, these are the skill sets that right. I'm after. And whoever embodies those and your values, now you, you keep, teach them, you empower them so that they can put their own artistic piece on that said skill set. Is that, would that be like, I know you said it's an art form. I wrote this down. I'm like, man, that it is. But how do you turn somebody from a painter into Picasso? How do you turn somebody into a violin player to Mozart? Yeah, right. It's, it's, it's taking someone from being a cook to a chef. It's right. that, it's that level of, Hey, you have all the pieces and this is how you, as a coach need to empower people who have these traits. And like I said, it's a skill. It's something you practice day after day after day. It's, it's the weekly meetings, it's the daily meetings. Hey, what did you guys think about practice this day? What do you think the team's like today? What do you think we need to do differently? And I, and I say it's an art form it's an art and not an exact science because you could have two people, two great leaders on the same team. We'll, we'll use Armel Cross as an example, right? Mm-hmm. We have, we have a, a, an issue inside the program, hypothetically, and we have two captains. One of them, super quiet, lead by example, super intellectual, uh, not a big rah-rah guy, is not going to give the big pregame speech. The other guy is a big rah-rah guy, doesn't play a whole lot, um, isn't the best in the classroom, but is both of them are great characters, embody our values of uh, family tradition, toughness, um, great guys on and off the field. If one of them's in the room when that issue's going on, they're going to handle it one way. If the other guy's in the room and the other one's not, he's going to handle it his own way. And it's, it's teaching your leaders that, just because there's a nail doesn't mean you need to have, you have to be a hammer. You can be whatever you are and figure out a way to solve that problem. Yeah. So I, I'm like, I'm, I'm flying here. So we, we as coaches or people in positions that can elect or guide the direction of it, we have to define what the team needs that we believe is going to put us in the best direction. Once that's defined, those that embody that those skills and and our core values would have to be those that we empower teach educate and help them hopefully get artistic with this thing on the back end yeah and i and i think that what it, what it comes down to is is the balance piece and, and there's a book out there it's called uh leadership and balance the the fulcrum centric method i believe i might have butchered that that uh that title but it's actually by a uh, somewhat distant relative of mine, Michael Orario, he's a Lieutenant Colonel in the okay. retired Lieutenant Colonel in, in the army. And his whole thing is, I think there's six, again, I'm butchering this, but I think there's six dimensions of leadership that he, he discusses in the book. And every single one of those dimensions, you're going to fall somewhere on this balance beam from extreme left to extreme right. And these aren't positive and negatives. They're just extreme one end or the other. And then Wherever you fall on that, given any situation, is going to put the load somewhere else on this balance beam. 
And then your job is to figure out where you are. And this comes back to that self-awareness piece. It's your job to figure out where you are and where you have to move the fulcrum for a given situation to balance that out. Right. Given the situation, given what your tendencies are, move the fulcrum just enough. Cause sometimes it could be, it could be exactly who you are. If it's communication, you know, you're a big receiver and not a big talker. Maybe the situation just needs, it takes you to listen, but then, you know, you have to be able to see that and understand that. And I, I think peace, it's empowering and it's also teaching athletes and leaders what these situations are and telling them, Hey, you have to be aware of all this. It's not, you're a perfect leader the way you are handle everything the way you would. It's, Hey, you're a great leader because you're prone to understanding. You have great self-awareness. You already embody all the characteristics of a leader that we want in our program. And now we're going to further that with these skills, making you aware of these skills, making you aware of these tendencies, making you aware of situations and letting you fail, honestly letting you make decisions and not being afraid to let your leaders fail. Yep. Uh, that's, that's a big one, especially in the weight room. I'll tell you that you want a, a safe enough space where they're going to try, but failure is going to happen. And it's a, it's why I like this job so much. It's a brief snapshot of how people handle adversity every day. For sure. Some days you got, some days you don't, but are you still going to do what it takes? Um, and I think that's why, at least we've gotten to where we are from, from keeping the standard and the accountability piece at a set line um, day in and day out. They know what they're getting themselves into. Uh, we're building something here. I'll tell you that. Yeah, for sure. Nothing, nothing's a better teacher than two, 300 pounds on your back. <laughs> Not lying about that. <laughs> yeah. um, coming to the captains individually, you know, you talked about the women's soccer team being a great program when it comes down to leadership. Do you have maybe one or two captains that you've coached personally or experienced firsthand that, that really stand out to you and, and what made them so effective as a leader or, or what are some things they did that, that made them stand out to you? That, that's such a good question. And it's, I don't know if the, I would be doing anybody. I've worked with justice by picking just one. Um, and, you know, when I first started my first full-time job, we, had, we were building a football program from scratch. And I, I recruited a kid by the name of Jeff Puckett from Dun, Dunnell in New Jersey. And, man, he was a 5'9 quarterback that, frankly, had no business playing quarterback at, at the college level and just very soft-spoken like you the the captain you had ever mentioned it at army but one of just the the kindest hardest working individuals that i've ever been around and just loyal to a fault everything you'd want in somebody to lead your team lead your program lead your lead you into battle and you do anything for him, even though I was, he had me by 10 years. All I wanted to do was, can I do anything for you? All the time. I get, I get further away from coaching him the more I coached him. And just everybody, male, female, young and old, didn't matter race or religion. Just when he walked in the room, it was, he gave them the utmost respect. And frankly, I wish I could do it, be more and more like him, you know. 
Um, but man, he was a, a standout, not only just captain, but a standout individual that just, his core values were so further developed, matured than 99% of society that sometimes just you looked at him in awe and just said, man, there's a reason why you're going to be a, a three, three-time captain, you know? Yeah, that's a awesome, awesome thing to hear uh, about an athlete or about a student athlete, about anyone really. And I think whether you can put your finger on specific things that people do, it, if it comes down to they have that, that gravitational force around them and, and they are good people, because some people have that gravitational force and, and it's more of a manipulation piece than anything else. But if, if they have this gravitational force and, and it's a positive influence, making people want to be better people around them, making people feel included, um, you know, including and influencing are two of the biggest things. You know, number two, tenant of the captain's coach's leadership is influence comes from John Maxwell. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And somebody like that, like you said, could tell you to run through a wall and you would do it. Yep. And they don't get that way because of the biggest, fastest, strongest, loudest guy in the room. They get that way because of the characteristics they embody day in and day out. And sometimes this image that younger athletes have of who the captain is is the loud strong guy who gives the pregame pump-up speeches and is running up and down the field scoring all the goals but really if you if you take and, and sam walker has a great book called the captain class and he he he's great book 12 12 of the greatest athletes he, he's a previous guest on the show awesome 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 man and you know one of those common things is not the rah-rah guy it's not none of those traits are the common theme the common traits are the kindness, the respect, the loyalty, stuff that isn't necessarily manifested in what you say. It's, it's how you act. It's how you treat others and how people act around you. And I think that's a, a, a great example of what a great captain is. It, it's core values through and through. And I think it goes back to what we started this thing on. It's the care, or if you even want to define it further, love right yeah like it's yeah. in the most basic sense it's you have love for yourself and everybody else and anything else that that comes into contact with you yeah can't beat it can't beat it and there you know there's leadership out of love and there's leadership out of fear leadership from authority and and the leadership out of love is is another one of those things that people just gravitate towards people might listen to you but they're not always gonna want to follow you so uh, following orders is is mandatory but followership is is voluntary was mm, i like that pre previous guest of mine uh brought that up during during the show former military man so had the easy connection there um coach i don't want to take up too much more no. your evening yeah. but um what advice what other advice you know you've had some some pretty good ones here uh for anybody out there but what other advice, if you have any, do you have for either team captains or, or athletes looking to develop their leadership or, or coaches looking to better utilize their leadership on their teams? Um, I mean, it's a great and loaded question. <laughs> I think it's finding a 
a way to take a step back as a coach or helping the individual, albeit a captain or a leader on the team, get a, a different lens on who they are and the direction and trajectory of, trajectory of who they're becoming. And I think it needs to be, the, so the best advice I could say, and I need to do this more myself, but is to humble yourself and to genuinely ask somebody and listen to somebody of what do you get the feeling the, for when you're around me? What do you see when you're around me? And without any, just, just listen and humble yourself to that response. Because it goes back to our scoring system that we use with, with football and a few other teams here. It's a way to further give, my, give me the self-awareness of I've defined who I want to be. I think I'm becoming those things every day. But am I really – does that permeate to everybody that I come in contact with? And chances are, frankly, that answer is almost 99% of the time going to be no. But if you're someone that truly is a leader, a coach, is someone that wants to get better, you'll find a way to take that thing the 1% the direction you want it to go. Whew. Yeah, that's some scary advice. That's, 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 that's scary. It, it ain't going to be wow, easy to do. No, and it's, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's a great quote, do something hard every day. And that – that's a hard one because people, you know, the answer, you just don't want to hear it. And that's awesome. I'm going to, like you said, I don't do it nearly enough. I don't think anybody really does unless you're somebody who journals, you know, journaling is a huge piece because it comes back to that self-expression. And, and when you ask the people that you're asked to lead, that you're leading, when you ask them, Hey, how am I doing as a leader? It, what am I doing well? What am I doing poorly? More importantly, what am I doing poorly? What, what don't you like about things here? It, not only are you gaining some really valuable self-awareness and gaining some insight into how people perceive you, but you're also gaining a lot of their trust and understand them understanding, Hey, this guy actually cares what I think. This guy is actually understanding that he's not God. He's not, he's understanding that he's not perfect which nobody is and, and, and to give off any sense of that to others and, and try to be the person who never makes mistakes. It, it's, it's not, it's not a good look because at some point you're going to make a mistake and then you're just going to seem silly. Um, so don't hide from it, embrace it and be vulnerable. And it comes back to that care of others. You, you got to be vulnerable at some points and, and that self-awareness. So I mean, it's like I said, again, it's, it's scary and it's going to be a tough thing to do and a tough thing to accept. But I think it's something that we all definitely can do a little bit more of uh, as coaches and especially as, as athletes and teammates and, and friends and in any relationship you ever have. Cause when you look at it, like we said at the beginning, leadership's this, this transferable skill across dimensions and spectrums of life. And at mm -hmm. some point you're going to be a leader uh, in, in some, in some relationship, you are a leader whether you like it or not, and whether you realize it or not, and whether you embrace it or not, you are a leader with responsibility over someone else. There you go. Spot then, on. Yeah. And then uh, before I let you go, Coach, um, mm -hmm. one last one is yeah. what is a book you, you often recommend to your athletes or other coaches or, or anybody out there in terms of 
sports, sports psychology, leadership, leadership development, anything along those lines? Man, that's a great, a good question. Um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk about somebody that I, I didn't mention, I mentioned earlier, but I just didn't touch on enough was, was Churchill. And I think the last line, it's, it's, it's way too long for anybody to sit down and read, I would imagine. But they're like three Bible-sized copies. But the first one is the basically 1939 to 1945, that of him being elected prime minister and then leading into the war. And then a month into the war, they have the Battle of Dunkirk. And he basically sacrifices 20,000 to rescue 330,000. Mm-hmm. And he was basically on thin ice and they're going to get rid of him after a month as prime minister. And he just, he stuck to his guns. And I think that's really, really interesting. But if you want a shorter read about who he is and how he got there and how he got to, to be a leader, uh, hero of an empire talks about his experience through the Boer war. And he was taken a prisoner of war and escaped and basically lived in a mine for two weeks and jumped from country to country until he was beat extradition and you know, got back to Britain and then ran for, ran for office. But it was the making of who he became to ultimately save the world as we know it today. That's awesome. Yeah. Churchill is a, you know, one of the greats in terms of leadership in terms of tough times, creating tough men. <laughs> and he's definitely up there making tough decisions, sticking to his guns. Um, so I'm definitely going to throw that one in the show notes for you there, listeners. And um, the, the first one you mem- you mentioned saying it's way too long, is that just memoirs of the Second World War? No, it, it, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you off the top of my head. It okay. is years and years of research compiled into okay. 80 years of his life. Or seventy hour long, and it's. Right. I cheated. I listened to the audio book for for two of them, but um, it, it's fascinating. And just to to think that you get elected to a position a month in, you make a decision to kill twenty thousand men versus saving three hundred thirty thousand, and then the stubbornness to be up against what at the time was the German empire slowly taking over the entire world and basically asking the United States for help that day in and day out. And they weren't giving it, but the savior saving those 330,000 men saved Britain for a year and a half until Pearl Harbor was bombed and the Americans came into the war. But if he at any point faltered, what we know from a geography standpoint, from a rule standpoint, from a everything, there are so many things that would be vastly different if that one human being had been changed in his mindset. Changes in an instant. Changes in an instant. Crazy. Thanks. A great uh, end, end point there for us, Coach. Yeah. Going to top, top that. Uh, thanks. Thanks again for your time. Awesome Thank you. Perspective you have as a strength and conditioning coach. Awesome things you're doing at, at HWS. And yeah, can't wait to to keep track of your, your programs this year and, and see what you guys doing. I'm sure we'll we'll talk again for sure in the future. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me on. Really, really appreciate it. Hopefully everybody got something out of it. Yeah, I'm sure they did.
Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Bullis. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.